podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of It's Eleven. It's Heaven for Jamie Vardy, the Leicester City podcast by Leicester City fans for Leicester City fans. Here we are for season three. Who would have thought that? Aidan, definitely not you uh, when we suggested starting and you said not to bother. But how are you? You're, you're here with us today. I do apologise. I do remember those words saying, like, who will, who would want to listen to us? Um, but no, I, I've been doing some publicity for the podcast. Um, I had a good summer. I spent a few weeks in France and Spain, including the trip to Gibraltar. And I met a guy from Leicester in the youth hostel that I was staying in in Bayonne and uh, obviously told him all about the podcast. So uh, I think the guy's name was Darren. So here you go, Darren. Good to s- hope you're listening in and um, gotcha. hope you got, made it back to Leicester safely. You look a bit old for a youth hostel. Uh, of course not. <laughs> Just checking. Just checking if you've been banned or anything like that. Uh, Tom, it's good to see you again. We were together at Derby a few weeks ago. For, yes, mate. Pretty decent, pretty decent away day that day, wasn't it? But uh, how's things? Yeah, it was a, it was a good laugh the other week. Um, quality atmosphere at Derby as well. From well, from our side, <laughs> they sure as hell got some stick, didn't they? Um, but yeah, yeah, doing all right, mate. Uh, nothing really changing over the summer. Thankfully, you know, I'm glad we're not absolutely sweltering. Yeah. But um, yeah, looking forward to getting started tomorrow. Yeah, it's nice to have some football about as well, isn't it, Steve? Yeah. Long time since I've seen you up in Aberdeenshire. How, how are you? Yeah, very good. It seems to have been a long summer without football and to have dragged on a bit until the women's Euros and great success that was. And uh, looking forward to the season starting again, although a little bit apprehensive. Yeah, we'll come on to that shortly. We're joined today by Ant. She's a YouTuber for, for Leicester City as well. And how has it been creating content over the summer when there's really been nothing to talk about? Being... It's been painful, but the thing is, there was this first month where you uh, sort of had the hope of it being, you know, the whole rebuild and we were being linked to every player under the sun. So that first month was all right. <laughs> Last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit painful to sort of, uh, the farmers going, Madison's going. As I said before, we went live. We're going to end up, if you believe all the media, we're going to end up with a five-a-side team without a goalkeeper and we're going, and we're going to have kids playing. So... There's always talk, stories to talk about, but unfortunately for us this summer, about 90% of them have been absolute rubbish. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, I can't remember, Steve, you obviously a few more seasons supporting Leicester than the rest of us, but I can't remember a summer where we've never signed anyone. No, no, even, even going back to the old days where teams were fairly consistent from one season to another. Uh, and there wasn't wholesale changes like there, like there can be nowadays. Um, you'd always sign one or two players, high-profile players. So, uh, yeah, I, it's... Uh, well, we were the only team in the whole uh, top five divisions of Europe not to have signed someone. I mean, that, that is amazing, really. It's stark, isn't it? Stark um, contrast to those neighbours. We've got a few few miles down the road who are, who are snapping up players left, right and centre at the minute. We'll come on to them as we uh, as we go through the show. A good place to start would be our goalkeeping position. And last time we did a show, it would almost be unthinkable to to think that Casper Schmeichel would no longer be a Leicester City player. What's your reaction to to him leaving for Nice? Yeah, it does it does feel a, a bit premature. Um, 
you know, I I think he, he had with another two or three seasons of, of good service from Casper. Um, he still still seems to be number one for Denmark for his country, and it, and there hasn't been that talk in the media. You know, sometimes there is talk uh, amongst pundits and that about a player's level dropping and have we seen the best of him? You know, is it time to move him on? And, and there wasn't that chat. There certainly wasn't that chat on this podcast amongst us. Um, so a bit of a worry in that he, he's, he was certainly our, our clear, clear number one for, for 11 seasons. Um, and now he's moving out without, uh, without us signing another top, top class Premier League goalkeeper. And I think that's a concern if there was someone else um, very highly rated coming in that would feel different this this feels a bit of a strange one and that we're you know we're, we're left with um warden everson who obviously are, are just aren't proven um at that top level because they've they've been on the bench or you know um so a bit nervous really i, I mean maybe we'll speak in a moment about casper's legacy and, and the great service that he's given to the club and the amazing um goalkeeper that he's been um despite despite his faults and his, and his flaws just the, the amazing club man that he's been um, but yeah, there's a bit of unease about about it um, in terms of there not being that that top class goalkeeper coming in to replace him. Yeah, and I think Brendan Rodgers has been quite clear, isn't he, that we're, we're going to stick with what we've got in terms of goalkeeping position. Um, before we come on to to those two that remain, what's your what's your best memories of Casper Schumacher in the Leicester shirt? Leicester City shirt, goodness. Um, so just that, uh, yeah, the show. <laughs> yeah. Was it was it a question to me or to other other people? No, it's to oh, oh, to me. Oh, yeah. uh, there's so many, isn't there? There's like all the on-field stuff is absolutely brilliant. You've got the goal against Yeovil, but I don't care what they say. That is Casper Schmeichel's goal. It went across the line. Uh, there's obviously throughout the title-winning season, he was absolutely immense in in goal. Um, there's no Champions League uh, quarter-final without Schmeichel because he carried us through that severe game, two penalty saves. There's no FA Cup without Kasper Schmeichel because some of the saves that you've seen in that FA Cup final, like if if a keeper at a bigger club had made those, you would have been seeing those absolutely plastered everywhere. They were some of the best saves you will see. So for me, it's got to be the FA Cup final because I know there's got, we've had all those moments in terms of like the seat, uh, the Premier League season, but that wasn't one moment. The FA Cup finals, that one individual moment, that Mason Mount moment where it was really, we were under pressure and it was really that siege mentality to get through to the end. That's sort of, I think that summed him up quite well, that that, like that, it was a great save, but it was also the grit to get down for it because that was one, I don't know what I can say on it, but that was a brilliant shot from, uh, brilliant shot from Mount. So the fact that he managed to get there, in such a crucial say, part of the game. You can say what you want, you're all right. It's a bit of a th- thunder bastard, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> Close. Uh, uh, that's a fair point, Tom, isn't it? You know, without that Schmeichel save in that final, you think of that uh, position that we're in in the game at the time. We brought Wes Morgan on, we brought Hamza Chowdhury on. It was yeah. all, all hands to, to the pump, wasn't it, in terms of defence? If that goal would have gone in, I, I can't see us winning that, that cup final, can you? No, I, I agree. I think that, that save in particular, I mean, the, the placement in the goal, the the way he gets so much power on to, to push that past the post, phenomenal, really. Um, and yeah, there were a couple in a couple of amazing saves in that game, really, that, that won us the cup. 
there were the you know there was a one from a header as well wasn't there but yeah that that's probably one of my favorite memories of him as well but the oval got me right uh, I remember that I wasn't at that game actually I was away working in London and I'd seen following it I think on talking talking balls or Fox's talk at the time wherever it was and uh, it said that Schmeichel had obviously headed it to, to look back on it now it was quite clearly over the line I think goal line technology would have had a feast on, on that one uh, but that was sort of a measure of the man never give up always taking it to the end Steve in terms of goalkeepers for Leicester you've seen some absolute brilliant ones over the years in terms of Sh- Shilton and maybe you maybe have some memory of Gordon Banks before that I'm not sure uh, where does Casper Schmeichel fit in, in, in amongst these all-time legends? Yeah, I, I would say he's the, um, the third best goalkeeper that we've ever had uh, behind Banks and Shilton uh, in quality, but he's the best keeper we've ever had in terms of the legacy, in terms of the amount of games he's played, in terms of what he's won for Leicester City. You know, he's he's the played the third most games out of any player in Leicester City's history. And, you know, Mark Wallington was another great keeper. I didn't think anyone would play more games in goal than him. And Schmeichel's beaten that. He's had more clean sheets than anyone else. Um, so uh, I think if you look at his overall legacy and the impact he's had on the club, I would say he's the best. Is he the best keeper? I would say he's the third best, best keeper, I would say. Bit of a shame, Aidan, that he's not really getting a, a proper send-off, isn't it? Uh, after 11 years, you know, the days of testimonials seem to have gone at, at bigger clubs. But you look at him, Andy King, Vardy would be, be due one as well. And um, not that we ever want to think of the day that Vardy stops playing. Uh, but, but it's a bit of a shame that he didn't really get to say goodbye in on the pitch. It is massively, yeah, yeah. And as you were saying, both on and off the pitch, I remember when the tragedy, when the tragedy happened with... Uh, Kun Vichai, it was reported that Kasper Schmeichel had run run towards the helicopter and, and that was a measure of the man. You know, he's he, he's just a really, really good, courageous guy. Um and Leicester City through and through, and there'll be a sadness in him that he's that he's leaving the club because I think from what he said just the other day in his in his Instagram post and on social media that he's he found a home. He said he, he had been moved around different clubs. Um, and whenever he came to the King Power, whenever he came to to Leicester City, he found found a home that, with us, and um, that'll be, you know, it's a shame in that sense because I think as much as the fans would have liked to have a good said goodbye to him, I think Casper would have liked to have that moment as well. Um, but perhaps in the future, perhaps down the line, that that will be possible. He's never going to be short of a point, is he, in Leicester? Definitely not. Definitely not. No. Um, you, you'll, be, you'll be giving your wallet out for, for Casper Schumacher. If you see. <laughs> well, like I did for Anthony all and like I did yeah, for you exactly. boys whenever it's on, yeah. Just Mr. Generous. <laughs> well, of course, it takes away a little bit of our pre-match routine now. We knew we were at the football when Schumacher was running towards us pre-kick-off in the cop and we were chanting Schumacher, Schumacher. Yeah. We're never going to do that again. Yeah, it's going to be weird to be back without him, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's that kind of bit of security isn't it seeing you know a familiar face in between the sticks and um yeah real shame to le- to uh, to lose him at this point and and not to have that send off yeah all right then tomorrow and um, Leicester versus uh, Brentford who starts in goal for you and who do you think it probably will be i think i would like to see daniel iverson start in goal because i think he's had a brilliant season out on loan at preston he's really smashed it there and He's a young keeper that's got that potential to be something special. And 
it's like I know like he is a young keeper, so he will make mistakes. And I think I think if he is given a first team shirt, we've just got to be patient with him and really get behind him, not get on his back and really really like support him. But I do think it'll be Danny Ward because he's a bit more of a you know what you're getting with Danny Ward. But I think Iverson excites me a bit more than what the potential of Danny Ward does, if I'm completely honest. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Uh, you know, we looked at Kid and Juice Hall last preseason. How does it translate from being a player of the season in the Championship team to coming up to the Premier League? I know goalkeepers are a bit more of a specialist position. There, if you make a mistake, everyone's going to see that. But it feels he's 25 years old, Daniel Iverson, as well. Let's not forget that this isn't a young guy there that's never played a game. He's played nearly 200 games in, in English football, and Scottish football so far. And Danny Ward must be shitting himself at the minute, Steve, because he's spent his whole career on the bench and all of a sudden, Brendan Rodgers is talking about him saying, look, he's a number one goalkeeper. I've had two number ones here. And how do you, how do you see Danny Ward doing if it is, is him that's selected? He'll be relieved not to have the splinters anymore, I guess. Um <laughs> Well, he's not been fit, has he? I mean, he does have Premier League experience. Um, Rogers always rated him, even from Liverpool. So um, I think he'll be jumping at the bit, to be honest. Um, whereas I think Everson might be a little nervous, and he made some mistakes in the early pre-season games, didn't he, before he settled down? Yeah. Uh, but was obviously excellent at, at Preston. Now, uh, the one thing I'd say about Danny Ward, and it, it tells you something about. Michael and how long he's been playing. I, I keep forgetting his name um, because he's, he's he's really never played for us, has he? Hardly ever. Well, I mean, he got one his first Premier League match last season. First Premier League um, match ever. Yeah. Uh, but at, at least he's got that winning mentality from Liverpool, and then a, a, you know a successful stint at Leicester when we were winning more games than we're losing. Whereas um, Everson's come from a average team um, where he probably helped them stay as high up in the table as they were in terms of Preston last year. So uh, it's going to be an interesting battle through the season, I think, between the two of them. I think my fear, uh, Tom, is that KP, early doors, something goes wrong for either of them and then yeah. the, the fans turn a little bit. It's not their fault that Schmeichel's not been replaced and we're doing it on the, the cheap, but it could turn nasty if it goes wrong, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah, if it goes wrong and continues to go wrong. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'd like to think the crowd will be behind whoever's in goal, <laughs> you know, no, no matter what kind of mistake happens early doors. Um, but yeah, there's. I think there's still a lot of frustration, even though, you know, Rogers um, in his conference and stuff has, has kind of said, if it was him, he'd, he'd be buying players, but he's not able to. I, I still think there's a lot of tension and, and that's going to translate to the ground with people wondering why why we haven't pushed on. Um, and I, Yeah, I just think the fans are going to be... Well, I know I'm certainly feeling quite tense actually going in tomorrow, even though I can't wait to get down there. Um, you just don't know what you're going to see. We've got a few fans, to be honest, that haven't got a lot of common sense in them, right? And are, and are quite negative and you know, I remember last year there was quite a few fans saying we should drop Casper and, and give Ward a chance. Yeah. One of the things you would say about Ward is he's much better at coming for crosses and con- and controlling the area than mm. than Casper was. And obviously, um, with us conceding so many set-piece goals, it would be interesting if that comes down with Ward in goal, with him going out and actually 
helping the defenders a lot more than Casper used to, even though Casper was an amazing shot stop. Um, well, still is. Um, so that, that's going to be an interesting to see how that developed as well throughout the season. Of course, from a set piece point of view, we have a new set piece coach, but in true Leicester City fashion, he's not got his visa yet. Uh, Adrian Silva. Adrian Leicester, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually reading that uh, Brentford are the fourth most pr- prolific from a dead ball as well uh, last season. So <laughs> we might well need Ward in, in goal. It's a real good start. So for Ant, it was Everson in goal. Would anyone, would, would anyone want anyone different? Would anyone want Ward instead of Everson? Or are you, are you happy that he, he deserves his chance? I'd want Ward to start off with because of his greater experience, I think. Um uh, you know, Everson should get plenty of chances and uh, so that Rogers can make a proper assessment between the two of them. I think Ward's been patient for several years now and he deserves his chance, but Everson's got to play some games this year. Otherwise, um, you know, it's the wrong time in his career, I think, for him to just be permanently on the bench like Ward has been for the last few years. Okay. And uh, a, wor- a word on Johnny Evans as captain. Uh, obviously, Casper Schmeichel leaves that void. So we don't know who the vice captain is going to be just yet, but uh, Johnny Evans was the vice captain. He's now stepped up. Is it a natural replacement, in your opinion, or uh, was there someone else that you would like to see that given to? Yeah, I think Johnny Evans was the natural replacement. He was West Brom's captain before he came here. He's like he's always been what I call like a captain without the armband anyway on the pitch. He's a natural leader, so it as you say, but it's about natural progression. My concern is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, is he's so injury prone. Mm. Who then steps into that void when he's not, when he's not fit? Who would you have? Madison, because I've, I think I've seen a few people say Dewsbury Hall and I do like Dewsbury Hall, but he's had half a, half a really good season. I think it's too soon for him. Madison, if he's fit, he plays. And like with Dewsbury Hall, it's like, Oh, in his current form, he does, or the form that he finished last season. But it's like, can he can consistently carry that on for a whole season? And if you have a captain that's that's as sort of young and I don't want to say unproven, but not a mainstay like uh, Madison is compared to Dewsbury Hall, it, some players might look at that and sort of think, why are you captain? You've been here. Like I know he's been at Leicester for a whole time, a uh, long time, but he's, you've only been in the first team for half a season. So for me, I'd say Madison. Does he captain the Green and White Army, uh, Aidan, Johnny Evans, or is he is he not got that privilege? Uh, Stephen Davis would tend to be our captain, um, but again, just as Ant said, you know, Johnny Evans is that presence in the pitch um, and just organising and, and <laughs> because of our slight lack of depth of, of quality in the Green and White Army, if I may say, um, it's great to see Johnny Evans lining up against maybe championship level players or younger guys um, and just keeping them right and stuff. So 100%, I would agree with Ant that he is a natural replacement, but there's that um, that fear that because he's so injury prone and he's getting older, you know, you might appoint him as captain and he might only play 50% of the games, you know, or, or yeah. less depending on injuries. I would be interested to hear fr- from Ant um, or any of you guys, why, why Madison over Vardy in terms of captain? Because Vardy, I think, is in very much the same boat as Johnny Evans. That he'll 
won't play every game because obviously similarly age is catching up with him. And I think his minutes will be managed this year, particularly for those bigger occasions. So be, I think if you give Vardy the vice captaincy, you're very much in the same situation you are with Johnny Evans. Sure. No, it makes sense. Big rumours yeah. that James Madison is, is going to be signing a new contract to 2027. wonder if that might be part of the uh, the deal that he, he potentially does get that greater level of responsibility, Steve. We need James Madison to stay at the football club, don't we? Look at his goals and assists. He's he surely, for me, he's the most valuable player that we've got. Yeah, we do, but he won't stop forever. Maybe another season or two. And I think we've got to accept that we are a, a, a stepping stone club for world-class players. And I think Madison's got the potential to be world-class. Um, I mean, he had a great season last season after a very poor start. Um, and uh, the chances are he's going to step on even more this year. Probably Bonds would have done the same. I'm not sure how this injury would affect him. On the on the captain or vice captain front, uh, funny enough, I was thinking Ricardo, but obviously that's out the window now. He's going to miss at least two thirds of the season. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think if he signs a new contract, that's a positive sign in terms of giving him some more responsibility. He's got that in his personal life. You know, he's um, he's, he's now been a father for for just over a year, so. Um, and uh, I think it's a good time, you know, for him to start to take on more responsibility at the club. Good time to talk about James Madison, Tom. It's brought us pretty neatly onto that. Obviously, the, a lot of the news at the minute is around for Farner and whether uh, Chelsea are going to come back with a world record bid to, to try and prize him away from us. But in terms of James Madison, there was two Newcastle United bids, both rejected, both paying by Klarna, uh, buy now, pay later, uh, in right. 500 instalments for, for 40 million quid. Uh, <laughs> nowhere near, I think Brendan Rodgers' comment was, the bid would pay for his left part, three quarters of his left leg. Um, for, for you, James Madison, would you would you keep him or is there a price that you would say that's a good price and he can, he can go? I, I think we've got to keep him. Exactly as you've said, he's he's really the creator, and he and he scores goals. You know, if those goals aren't coming from Vardy, um, Barnes is obviously out as well for a few weeks. Where are they coming from? Um, we, we've not seen a great deal from Daka or Ian Acho. Um and yeah, you, you need someone consistent to be running midfield. Um, also, with his kind of with his interviews over the last year or two, he has kind of shown that inclination to go towards a kind of captaincy role as well. Um, and he's coming across quite likeable to the, to the club. Um, but yeah, I, I can't see a price where we'd want to sell him. I mean, you'd be talking upwards of 80 million. Um, and I don't, I just don't think we're in a position to, to put him out there. There's, there's other players that we can lose. Uh, and that I'd rather lose before we lose him. Yeah, this challenge really is getting rid of those players, I suppose, isn't it? Because <laughs> no, no one wants them. Um, how does James Madison improve his game this season, Aidan? I don't know how many assists and goals he got. He was double figures in both last season, but how can he take that onto another level? I think I'm thinking, really, with the World Cup coming up, he's going to have to. Like, I'm not sure what he'd need to do to get into Gareth yeah. Southgate's thinking. You know, sort. Spinning unicorn pill around his finger or something, but he's uh, he's got a lot to do, isn't he, to get to that conversation? Yeah, it, it does seem that way with with Southgate. I think for for Madison, the the step up this season, his numbers were good last year. I think the step up is 
is whenever and whenever we're under the cosh, whenever things are tough, um, especially in the big games against the Premier League's kind of top six, will he turn up on those days? Um, and will he take? Can he take the game by the scruff of the neck and and really lift us as a team? I think that's the next step up for him. You know, we know his talent, we know his his, his skill and what he can do. But um, when the chips are down, can he do it in the big in the big occasions um, and really show up show up for us and maybe change draws into wins or or defeats into into draws for us? Um, I think that's what I'd be looking for from Madison this season. Um, I think it, it it has been vital that he that he stays at those um, those bids from Newcastle were turned down because uh, maybe we'll go on to speak about this. I think we're just in the cusp of like a, a fork in the road, a bit of a turning point at, at the club. If if he were to go, then I think people like Harvey Barnes maybe start looking over their shoulder or start looking around and saying, you know, that our profile as a club um, drops quite significantly and and we kind of drop from being a, a Top half club um, with ambition um, for trophies to to um, a, a bottom half club who are maybe starting to look over their shoulder in terms of relegation battles and that. So yeah, vital that Madison stays if we're to be uh, progressing as a club. I'd, I'd say something else, Aidan. Actually, uh, and you know, I would have seen Madison as a bit of a luxury player, a bit like Bonds, a bit like Riyad Mahrez was. Mm. You know, fantastic going forward, but a bit of a liability defensively. And one of the things I've noticed in the preseason is he's really getting stuck in his defensive duties. But I think if he can carry on scoring and creating the way he did at the second half of last year and add that tenacity and fight in into the midfield as well, a bit of bite into his game, I think that'll be a next step for him. Mm. Absolutely. And, and just for putting it into simple terms, we, we can't sell players at the minute. We've got too many. Uh, is that the reason why we're, we're not signing or is there a financial worry, do you think, beyond that that's um, dragging the club down? Uh, I don't think there's a financial uh, concern because you wouldn't be planning a stadium expansion. You wouldn't be sort of investing in the infrastructure like we have been if there was a, like a shortage of money. What I think we're doing is when you look at what Everton have done, they've signed far too many players and they can't ship ship them on. Now they're snookered into a corner where like they're so stuck with FFP. So I think we're being run as frustrating as it is for us as fans. We're being run in a sensible way where we're not going to put ourselves in too much trouble. So like, I still think we need a right winger, but... At the end of the day, we've got two very, very astute business people running this club, so they are fully aware of what they're doing. And I don't think I don't think that um, there's there's any sort of financial worry compared to what the media is saying. But it's like we were saying before we went live that if me like media negativity will sell clicks, uh, will do clicks. So if you say Leicester are struggling financially, they need to sell. You'll get all of like everyone interested because you'll get Chelsea fans clicking on for Farney. You'll get Newcastle mm-hmm. fans for Madison. So I think it's just a lot of over sensational sensationalism. Where in reality, yeah, we probably do need to sell to get out of the corner in terms of FFP. But I don't think it's anywhere near the level that the media's portraying it to be. There's yeah. a difference. There's a difference, isn't there, from having a fire sale to selling an asset. For a world record fee, which potentially could happen with Wesley Fofana. What's your thoughts on him maybe leaving the club? Ant? 
I would like as much as like 85 million or whatever it would be, would be an absolute brilliant fee. And how, how funny would that be to say the two most expensive defenders in world football have come from Leicester. But I almost, it's how late it is in the windows, the concern for me now. If we were talking about this just as the season finished, I wouldn't be as, like, I still want Fafana to stay because I think he's a top, top draw talent. But how close we are to the season starting and how little time we have left to replace a player of that quality would be my concern. So I think we've got to hold out now, really, if I'm honest. But we saw it with Maguire. We get we got 80 million for Maguire. Everyone knew we got 80 million. We went to Burnley. They wanted 45 for James Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, uh, Nathan Ake at Bournemouth, they wanted 70 million. So it's all good getting this record fee. But then everyone else knows you've got the money. Yeah, you're not banking the money. Yeah, exactly. Presumably, if we got that sort of money in, Steve, we wouldn't look to, uh, to to spend all of it. But in terms of Wesley Fofana, it's slightly strange with some of his behaviour, isn't he, on, on Twitter and whatever and Instagram. And he seems to enjoy the uh, the drama that comes with it. It's a little bit disappointing, to be honest, and disrespectful, especially after the club looked after him last year. And you know, what did he play? Seven games in the end. Uh, so I was a little bit disappointed in that, but he's a young lad, really, isn't he? Um, and just going back to the the previous point that Ant was talking about, I just think it's lazy journalism. You know, they think we have to sell players, we must be in financial trouble. We are in financial fair play trouble. I think we've got 28 players and we've only we can only have a 25-man squad. So why would you sign more players? without offloading some of the players that aren't going to feature. Um, I think that's mistakes that our recruitment team have made. You know, we've got the likes of Perez on 80,000 a week. So, you know... Ryan Bertrand, Steve. Ryan Bertrand on 80 grand a week. Yeah, Ryan Bertrand on 80. And I think you've got Vestergaard on 70 and Hamza Chowdhury on 60-odd. So it's very difficult to get rid of them because they're going to have to... (laughs) Uh, a pay cut, go somewhere else, right? And so why not see out the contract? And uh, and that's, I think we've got the highest percentage of wages of turnover for players out of any club in the Premier League. And that's our problem. We're paying average players too much money and then struggling to offload them to make room to, for us to sign new players. And that's the crux of the problem, isn't it, I believe? The, the percentage of wage to turnover is one of the, is it the new ways that FFP is calculators and that's why we're getting absolutely stuff that's why Shamichael going actually on 140 grand a week that's quite a big quite a big saving really uh, Tom Wesley Fofana going back to him how good is he uh, and you know we can we can ask for whatever fee we want but uh, it'd be still good value at a world record fee wouldn't it at 21 years of age Wow, you would have thought so. I mean, he, he's not been at the club for that long, really, has he? And as, as Steve says, he's, he's not played that many games for us. Obviously, when he has, he's, he's impressed massively and his play on the ball is brilliant. Um, I, I think the problem is, as, as much as a good fee of 85 million is, it's, it's so difficult to replace a player like that. And we, we just haven't got the backup there. So it's not so much about getting the money in. It's, you know, well, kind of like Ant says, where does that money end up going? Um, <laughs> we're not putting it in our pockets, are we? We're, we're basically going to piss it all away on another Vestergaard, for instance. So um, 
yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see him stay, but the socials, you know, his, his uh, Instagrams and whatnot don't look great. I mean, I don't know whether there's some uh, some agent influence there or what. I don't know if that's all well, his doing. Supposedly, if you, you listen to the media, he wants to move to Chelsea. Although I think there's an interview come out of him this morning from, it might be John Percy, um, mm. saying that he, he likes the family of Leicester City. Uh, Aidan, I, I get what I'm saying there about the money this late in the window. It's a bit of a concern for us. Uh, but a world record fee would be a world record fee, wouldn't it? And, you know, everyone surely has their, their price. £85 million for you, would you stick or twist? Um. I think it, with the aspect of the social media stuff, I think it depends as well on, you know, it, it seems like maybe he's playing that game, maybe listening to an agent that he wants away. And I think it's difficult to have a player um, who, who really doesn't want to be there. Um, and if there's then, therefore, if there's a world record fee, you know, if it's good money that's being offered, there is that element of wisdom in, in taking it, isn't there? Um, I guess that's that's Brendan Rogers' job to think, can can he settle them? Can he... Can he do anything to, to settle the guy's head and um, get his head back in the game? Um, I guess we did see that with, with Riyad Mahrez a few seasons ago that really soon after the title win, Riyad wanted away um, and we, we managed to keep him for, for another couple of seasons. Um, certainly the first season after we won the league, he, he was poor, but the, the second season, there was a lot of improvement. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think if there's 85 million there and the, and the guy ultimately wants to go at some point, then then it's not a bad thing to to take that 85 million. Um, but yes, I actually get Anne's point that time is running out to sign a replacement. Yeah, it is. It's where Siungu has to come forward and have another season like uh, when Maguire left and, and getting the team of the, the season again, because uh, he was outstanding that season. Okay, let's break the show up a little bit. Uh, Aidan, you, you've got a, a last man standing question for us today, a bit of a quiz. Um, we play this on our show and basically... Uh, there'll be a question that Aidan will put out. Whoever is the last person at the end wins. It's that simple. Um, so I'm hoping it's something that I can extend my uh, victorious streak on today. Uh, it, well, we'll see about that, Mark. We'll see about that. Um, opening day Premier League seasons have notoriously been quite poor for Leicester City. Um, I think there was a stat that up until recently, um, we only won two out of the, out of 14 and so today I'll be asking you um, to give me a winner um, on a Premier League opening day uh, season from the last three Premier League seasons. So name me a club who's won one of their opening fixtures over the last three Premier League seasons, 2019-20, And we're going to start with Ant, then Steve Marbles, then Mark Manderfield, and then Tom Clark. Take it away, Ant. A team that's won... GDPR, man. <laughs> team that's won an opening day fixture over the last three seasons Brentford uh, Brentford is correct Brentford beat Arsenal uh, 2-0 last season in the Friday night fixture to open it uh, Steve Marbles um, Chelsea Chelsea is correct Steve um, Chelsea beat Crystal Palace last season uh, two seasons ago won away to um, Brighton and uh, unfortunately, the season before lost 4 0 um, on their it's opening match. Never unfortunate, Aiden. It's never unfortunate. Never unfortunate. Okay, uh, Mark Manderfield. 
Uh, I'm going to go with Leicester City after beating Wolves 1-0 last season. We did indeed beat Wolves 1-0 last season with Jamie Vardy scoring his seventh opening weekend goal. Um, we also uh, won the previous season away to West Brom um, and the season before was a draw. Tom Clark. Okay, Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool is right, yes. Um, they won 3-0 at Carrow Road last season in the opening weekend. And back to you. Uh, Man United. Manchester United is correct. Um, Manchester United beat Leeds United 5-1 in the opening game last season. Marbles. Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal is correct. Despite losing last season, they won uh, 3-0 at Craven College in 2021. Sorry, 2020-21. Mark. Uh, Manchester City. Uh, Manchester City is correct. Manchester City, despite losing their opening game last season, um, they have won in the two previous seasons, their opening game. Uh, Tom? Uh, I would go Burnley. Uh, Burnley is correct. Burnley um, won... Let me see. Yeah, just take it. Uh, the one uh, in 2019 <laughs> 20. <laughs> yeah, let's speed it up. Yes, Burnley's right. Uh, and back to you. Wolves. Wolves is correct. Um, although we beat them last season, um, they did win the previous season. Yep. Uh, Marbles. Mm. I was going to go Wolves. That's a difficult mm. one now. Um... Villa. Seven teams left. Seven clubs Villa. left. Villa. Aston Villa do not feature in teams that have won. Uh, they've had 2019-20, they had a defeat. And then 2021-22, another defeat. So, sorry, Steve, you're gone. Uh, okay. Mark Manderfield. I'm going to go with Tottenham Hotspur is correct. Um, They won their opening fixture last season and in 2019-2020, beating Villa that day. They beat Man City last year, 1-0. Hung Sun Min scoring. Tom? Not convinced, but I'm going to go Leeds. Uh, You were were right not to be convinced because Leeds... (laughs) Suffered um, a thrashing at the hands of Manchester United last season um, and were also defeated by Liverpool in 2020-21. Uh, a 4-3 defeat there at Anfield. So, Ant, uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams left. I'm going to go with Brighton. Brighton is correct. Um, Brighton, what can I tell you about them? Yep, they won away um, in their first game of the season last year away from home at Turf Moor. Mark? Uh, has anyone said West Ham? No one said West Ham, but do you want to go for West Ham? Well, now, now you're saying that, I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go with West Ham. Mark, you were correct to go yes. for West Ham United. Um, they had a 4-2 win last season. Um after 
two defeats in the previous two seasons, but they won last season, so you're through to the next round. And has anyone said Everton? Uh, no, but would you like to say Everton, Ant? <laughs> oh, go on, man. Someone's got to. Someone's got to. And you are correct to say Everton. They they mm-hmm. won um, on the opening day last season at Goodison Park, a 3-1 defeat of Southampton. They also won um, the previous season at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and drew in the 2019-20 season. So that's back to you, Mark. We have got one, two, three. Three clubs left who have won one of their opening fixtures over the last three Premier League seasons. But tell me, Mark, who are those clubs? Southampton. Unfortunately not, Mark. Southampton were defeated by Everton um, last season. Two seasons ago, defeated by Crystal Palace. And three seasons ago, defeated by Burnley. So the opening day of the season isn't a happy one on the South Coast. Well done. <laughs> Taking your crown. <laughs> Taking your crown. There you go. And this game's cancelled now forever. Answer <laughs> <laughs> winner, but can you give me any of the three remaining teams who have won a match on their opening day in the last three seasons? Well, you just said Crystal Palace, and I don't think anyone said that, so I'm going to go with Crystal Palace. Sorry, I gave that one away, didn't I? Crystal Palace, <laughs> <is> correct? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone get any, any of the, the last two? Bournemouth. Nope. Fulham. Sheffield United. Nope, nope. Newcastle. Newcastle's right. Newcastle, um, they were victorious in the 2020-21 season against West Ham. The final team, no longer a Premier League club. West Brom. Nope. Norwich. Nope. Oh. This, win, this win actually came for them last season. Sheffield United. No. Against uh, our mate Baz's boys. No, go on then. Watford. The Hornets. Watford, yeah. Watford beat Aston Villa 3-2 at Vicarage Road last season. Congratulations, Ant. You are the inaugural 2022-23 last man standing. <laughs> well done, that's, that's, uh, well done. that's a high accolade. Um, while, while we're talking about the, the sort of opening days of the, the season, uh, Brentford at, at home tomorrow should be on points, on paper three points, shouldn't it? But it's never quite that simple. How are you feeling about tomorrow's game, Aidan? Um, I'm interested to see how the all the talk and it's been going on around the club about potentially about Fafana leaving, potentially about Madison leaving, um, Casper's actual departure. I, I'm interested to see how we look in the first 10 or 15 minutes if we settle into the game um, quickly or if the players' minds are slightly elsewhere. Um, I would be a little bit concerned if, if Brentford um, start quickly against us and, and put us under pressure. Um, and... Yeah, I think if, if we make a couple of early mistakes, um, I'm, I'm quite nervous for that, just where the players' heads are. Um, I think I see um, on the BBC they've, they've predicted a, a 1-1 draw. Um, so I I wouldn't be surprised if, if we come away with it, just a share of the points rather than all three. Um, I think we'll take a little bit of time to start tomorrow. Okay. Uh, I suppose for Brentford, and um, they've lost... Um, 
Christian Eriksen, who was a big part of their uh, second half of the season last season, but they've brought in a few players. Uh, Keen Lewis Potter from Hull, Aaron Hickey from Bologna, and Ben Mee from Burnley to, to name three. They're going to be slightly refreshed, aren't they? Are they a dangerous side, do you think? They're a dangerous side, particularly against us. Like, if I was, if we were sort of any other team, I wouldn't be massively concerned. But the fact that they're so good from dead ball situations and we're so, well, not good at dead ball situations, it's <laughs> <laughs> quite concerning. What I'm interested to see is how we set up tomorrow, because we don't really have any fit wingers with Harvey Barnes being injured. So I think we'll end up setting up with a three at the back. But what I, what worries me about that is we're going to sit in and sit deep. We've got to take the game to Brentford and make it as horrible as we can for them straight away, not make it, not let them settle into the game because they're going to be as nervous as we are. They've, they've lost their best player they, they, uh, in terms of Christian Eriksen. They've got new players that are coming into jail. So um, obviously this is our second season in the Premier League. There's always that second season syndrome like looming over their heads. So, They'll be as they'll have like the nerves that we do. Every club will have that at the start of the season, so it's making sure that they feel it a lot more than we do. Yeah, that's a really smart uh, bit of analysis there as well, Steve. With um, what I was saying there about Brentford and, and the way that their light is set up, how do you think Leicester should set up? Do you think the three at the back is wise, or do you think we could play uh, a diamond formation with a four uh, and be a little bit more on the front foot? Um, well, I think we've got to be on the front foot whichever way we set up. And it's a bit of mindset rather than formation, I think. So uh, I, I would expect with Ricardo out, we'll have uh, Castagna and Justin on uh, um, fullback or wing back. And, um, you know, if we played three at the back, if, as long as they're getting forward, um, that they're both capable, obviously, of going forward and doing some stuff and doing damage. Um, so if they're on the front foot, then I would see that as as still an attacking lineup. So either way, we've got to we've got to go for it. I, I somehow think we're gonna. It's never an easy game against Brentford. But I think we're gonna sneak it one nil. I think actually we'll be quite solid. Um, you know, I've been having nightmares though, Steve. In the back of my mind, all I can think of is Leicester nil, Bolton five from all those years ago when uh, we could see it starting to go wrong. <laughs> tell me, tell me, I'm wrong, and uh, that's just a, a wild thought. You're wrong. Yeah. I, I'm wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you asked me to tell you you're wrong. I think you are. Um, there's been a lot of doom and gloom about, but the way I'm looking at it is, you know, for far. Fafana and Evans, assuming Fafana's head's not been turned too much by um, all the distractions of Chelsea and whatever, how often did we play with them last year? And with Ward coming out to claim the ball, if he starts, if he's fit enough to start. Uh, two good full-backs that are good wing-backs as well in Castagna and uh, James Justin, especially JJ. Um, and then you've got Pratt now wanting to fight for his place in the club and looking pretty decent this season. Um, uh, and in Dewsbury Hall, taking things on to the next level. Um, I, you know, it's got an Ndidi back. I mean, he played 18 games last season in the league. He missed most of the season. So it's going to be like having new signings, even though we haven't made any. And Samara as well. He's had a very impressive season. And Samara, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, disappointing last year, but as... They've had a good pre-season, not bad anyway. 
it looks like uh, the deal that would have took him to Monaco is now broken down over a disagreement over the fee. Uh, Tom, who's, who's your midfield tomorrow? Does Ndidi get the shout ahead of Samare? Is Pratt going to have to wait in the wings? What's, what's your ideal midfield tomorrow? Ideal midfield? Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would like to see Ndidi um, starting, to be honest. I think he's, he's proved what he can do in that position. And fair enough, he didn't, he, he didn't really have the best runner games last time round, but... I guess the big question then, sorry, it should have been, yeah. is, is Tielemans getting a start in that midfield? No. <sighs> um, based on performances and attitude and rumours and all the rest of it, I don't think he should start, no. Um, What's wrong with his attitude? <laughs> I think he's handled himself fairly, fairly well. I think he's good all right. Situation, yeah. He's not, not been changing his bio, is he, on Twitter or Instagram? Well, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's quite that. quiet in that sense. That's um, <laughs> but yeah, as, as you've said, Pratt's looked pretty tasty pre-season, so it'd be nice to see him actually work, work his place. I just really like Dennis Pratt, Aidan. Hey, he's, mm. he's the sort of player that is box-to-box, isn't he? He really gets stuck in. It's not always pretty with him, but he is quite effective. He, Brendan Rodgers come out in the um, press conference yesterday and said that he wants to stay, wants to be part of the team. That is, to, to quote a bit of a cheesy one, it's, it's a bit like a new sign, isn't it? Yeah, and that's half the battle for us as, as a club this season, isn't it? You know, if we, you know, sure, Casper's left, but we've got some talented, talented players who, you know, have have proven themselves for us, bringing home silverware um, and positive. Um, league finishing positions it's, I think a lot of it for me this season is just where the players heads are um, and just if we get a good start um, and, and I think tomorrow's a big part of that uh, have, a, have a good start and build some confidence then then we can have a, a positive season I just think we're more fragile if things start to go wrong that's when um, you know maybe some some guys do start thinking about the exit door again you know and and becoming less settled and less committed to, to the cause Um but yeah, if we can get the best out of out of the players that we have, then we've got nothing to fear this season. We can have a, a positive one. Um, yeah. And what is a positive one? What does that look like? I think at least an eighth place finish again, and and pro, yeah, progress in the in the cups. You know, maybe pushing towards. I think Brendan Rodgers has said in his interviews, you know, this season for him, it's pushing for European places. And I think being in being in the fight right to the very end for European football um, is probably, yeah, is probably a good season. Anything beyond that, anything beyond that, moving into the top six is probably a very a very good season, or you know, reaching a cup final. I think a good season is seventh or eighth. Yeah, I, I actually think winning a cup or finishing at least seventh and qualifying for the Europa Conference is what we must do. Otherwise, we are going to lose Barnes and Profana and Madison and whatever. We've got to show that we can play in Europe every year or we're going to be challenging. So, um, uh, for me, I think we've got to aim in top seven as a minimum and and to try and win a cup, tough as that might be. Uh, otherwise, we are on the downward slope. Ant, have you got anything to add on, on those thoughts? No, I completely agree. And it's a chat that I had uh, with James Harlow on Beyond 90, a little cheeky plug there. But um, what's <laughs> brutal, like, Brendan Rogers is on £10 million a year. 
there's got to be a return of investment on that and a return of investment on putting a manager on that higher wages has got to be qualifying for Europe because he's on the wages of a manager that would equate to a Champions League level manager. I don't think that qualifying for Champions League is realistic for us, but qualifying for Europe when you're paying the manager what he is being paid, I think that should be that should come with sort of the territory of what he's earning. It's fair to say it's all on a knife edge at the minute, isn't it? It could really go either way. And these opening few days of the season, weeks of the season, are going to make a, a hell of a difference for, for, for that. Um, are you feeling positive, though, Anne? Are you feeling that you know we can get to those sort of areas where it would be a good season, or are you a little bit sort of sceptical? It's one of those, because we've got a difficult start to the season, but... What I do fear is if it start if it goes south quickly, it will turn very sour. Mm. But, and like obviously we've got uh, Arsenal away, which has never been a happy hunting ground for us. We've got Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. We've got United all within our first five games. So there's two ways to look at it. It's like if we can get pick up some results in those early games, and particularly against those bigger teams, we could really be sort of there or thereabouts to upset the apple cart again. If it goes wrong, we could be looking very quickly towards what's behind us. And like, I, I say it, say it most seasons, but the, I think the start this season is so important to set the tone in the right way because I think how the first ten games go, uh, say, will set give us a real idea of where we'll be towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. Steve, let's have a prediction for you for um, the, the game tomorrow, if that's okay. Yeah, um, it's it's going to sound strange because I think our strength is uh, well, certainly last year. And if you look at the potential in our attacking areas, uh, although we're without bonds, um, I'd say one nil. I think we're going to be solid at the back. Uh, we'll have a couple of scares and we'll miss a few chances, and it'll be a nervy game, but we'll win one nil. Going to have those words solid at the back running around my head tomorrow. At the <laughs> yeah, I might be, uh, I might have to pay for those words, but that's just my gut feeling. Speaking of which, the King Power Stadium tomorrow, Tom, no clappers, singing section, mobile tickets, it's all change, isn't it? <laughs> some for the better and some for the worse. Yeah, I know um, a few people have been having trouble uh, with the digital ticket system. So thankfully, you know, we've we've got. <laughs> hard copies of all. We've got a frictionless kiosk. Have you seen that? What does that even mean? Well, like I've, I've read it. I've read scan it. Card. You scan your card on the way in. You go and pick up what you want and just walk out. Crazy. It's like one of them Apple shops or Google shops or whatever it is. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm getting. I'm don't find out you've been billed £500 because you've had so many porty pies. And no, you can afford it. Harsh, harsh. Uh, Aiden, tomorrow. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think we'll maybe be a little less solid than, than Steve saying. Um, I'm going to go for a two-two draw. Hope I'm wrong, but yeah, two-two. Tom, um, I'm going to go for a two-one win purely because we don't know who's going to be studying goal. Okay, and um, Enance, give us a prediction. Oh. I feel like I'm really overly optimistic compared to everyone else. I've gone for a 3-1 win. I think we're going to be too much for Brentford and I think they're going to struggle quite a bit this season. So 
I'll go 2-0, I think. But, yeah, that, that's great. We're all thinking we're going to get off to the best possible start. I love this time of the season because it means all the talking, all the transfers, everything that's been building other sides up throughout the summer sort of dies down and then the football takes over a little bit. And it's normally when Barry, who's not with us, starts to realise that Villa aren't going to win the league this year. (laughs) 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 Next next season FC. Uh, I love you. Um, but but yeah, I can't I can't wait for the football to kick off. We've got a great day of it today. Hoping Newcastle put at least four or five past Forest. That's going to be a, a big one for today. Um, just before we finish, then league position this season. You said what what would be a good season? Where do you think we're going to finish? Let's have a quick prediction on on that, just so we can play this back at the end of the season and find out how badly wrong we all got it. Because last season you all said top four, I said seven, and uh, I was only one place out. So I'm taking the win on that. Aidan, I'll start with you. Um, <laughs> uh, I think like, I agree with what Ant was saying. It could, this season could go either way. So um, I'm going to be a glass half empty man and say it'll it'll start to go badly, and we'll finish fifteenth. Wow! But I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, we hope you're wrong as well. You can tell that you're a Northern Ireland fan. That's that glass half empty is. Instilled within you, isn't it? Tom, yeah, we're still, still, re- still the reigning British champions, I'll remind you. Still the reigning British champions. And, and I forget what happened the last time we played England. Uh, it's just gone out of my head. Yeah, it's probably so long ago, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's gone out yeah. of our heads. It's a completely irrelevant game. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah. Tom? Yeah, all, all logic is, is telling me... <sighs> That it's going to go a similar way as Aiden, but I'm not going to say it. So, um, you know, fingers crossed. Let's get nine okay. and a cup. <laughs> well, uh, it's a difficult one to call. Um, uh, I can't see it being as bad as what Aiden says. We could be eleventh. I'm going to go optimistic with my optimistic uh, self and say that. Rogers earns his corn and we get seventh place. Yes, Steve. Yes, Steve. <laughs> Come on, we're going to leave this on a hype of positivity today. And over to you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to agree. I think this is really Rogers' time to prove himself. He, like He's done well for the first couple of years. It's time, time to earn his money again. I'm going to go seventh place in a Carabao Cup win. Oh, that'd be lovely. I love a Cup win. Especially mm. the Carabao Cup. Yeah, there were, were some glory days. I'm going to go with eighth, I think. I think I'll go in the, the middle of a couple of, of you guys uh, with a good uh, good cup run in there as well. But an enjoyable season, plenty of goals. Enjoy Jamie Vardy for one of the last times, probably. Um, not that we want to think about that, but another 15-plus goals for him this season. And, uh, yeah, everyone's happy with that, I think. Guys. Just, just think of this, Mark, before we go, that Vardy and Schmeichel, We've probably had two of the greatest players ever in Leicester City's history that we've been watching over this last 11, 12 seasons, right? Um, uh, in terms of not just their appearances and loyalty to the club, what they've actually achieved as part of that team as well and part of the squad over that period. Absolutely. We'll, think we'll finish it on that point there. So it's been a very, very quick hour. And um, thanks very much for, for joining us. Give us a Bit of a plug for, for your channels if uh, if you want to. Now, cheers for having me on. And yeah, so my channel is Ant's Leicester Fan Channel, doing daily streams and then home and away match day videos as well. So make sure to check that one out. 
all on YouTube. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, all on YouTube. I forgot to say that. That's sort of an uh, important part of the information. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not really on YouTube, to be fair. So we, we might need to access that a little bit more through the season and, uh, and grow our grow our sort of listener base but we've just reached 2,000 followers on Twitter as well now which is which is excellent so really good uh, progress there Aidan what's your plans for the rest of the day? Off to the charity shield um, the league winners Linfield against my team the cup winners Crusaders um, but it could be a bit of a uh, bit of a damp squib Linfield play FC Zurich next week in their second leg of um, Europa League qualifying so I think they'll have the kids out today maybe a handy win for Crusaders hopefully of silverware as well to start the season off great and, and Steve and Tom I'm hoping to see you again on Monday night as we uh, were joined by a view from Ellie to Leicester City uh, blogger um, as we look back on the Brentford game and start to look ahead to the Arsenal match but that is it for another episode of It's 11 It's 7 for Jamie Vardy and we'll join you again next time Network.